step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319-527-6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at ryanlindsayshow.com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. And yes, broadcasting live from the great state of Wisconsin, the Northwoods in the great state of Wisconsin. And uh, we've got a good show for you tonight. Matthew Ferry will be my guest. He is a spiritual teacher, best-selling author, songwriter, and producer, and he's going to be very interesting. Uh, We're going to talk about his book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life. So we'll talk about enlightenment, we'll talk about... uh, uh, about uh, the quiet mind and, and everything. We'll get into that in just a few moments. If you'd like to join us, then feel free. Give a call. 319-527-6702 is the number. And uh, I am, I'm surprised to welcome my co-host, Tamara Gleason, to the show. <laughs> Tamara, you're, you're on location yes. out at Govan's Farm there. I, I, I thought you'd be busy with this. Well, I am. I gave I, I gave a little time to Donette. She's doing some readings right now. Where it's a cold one out here tonight, so I took the time. I'm like, well, I've got a radio show, so I'm gonna have to go out in the car and warm up. <laughs> so yeah. So thank you. Good excuse. Not only that, yeah. I saw this guest tonight. And I'm like, oh, I've got to be there for this. This is gonna be good. You know, I hate missing oh, out. Right. I have total FOMO, fear of missing out. So. Can you hear the screams and <laughs> the in the chainsaws? I'm running. I do. Let everybody know. Mindfulness. Let everybody know yes, where you're at twisted. here. Why the screams? Yes, I'm at the. I'm sorry, the chainsaw massacre guy is behind me. I'm at the Twisted Trail of Terror in Menominee, Wisconsin. Um, we're here with Aaron Houdini. He's doing Escapes and Magic tonight. Michael Myers is around stalking people it's really creepy here i'm not gonna lie <laughs> and i'm telling you this place has been known to be haunted areas it's very it's, it's just a hop skip and a jump from the haunted Carryville, wisconsin if you go to unexplainedresearch.com chad lewis has got many many um stories of haunted Carrywood right around the corner a lady in white has been seen walking around here and stuff so i'm kind of like not gonna lie, I'm like, I might be a psychic medium, but you know, I, I don't really want to see a lady in white walking up to me. <laughs> Actually, I'm more afraid of the humans and masks, to be honest with you. But yeah, oh so yeah, when you got the okay. I, I definitely wanted to come and listen to a show on mindfulness, and and uh, it sounds like a good one. I've been practicing this all yep. week, so I think this is just perfect timing for our guests. Excellent, tonight. very good. 
Let me remind folks, uh, take a look at Facebook for uh, Ryan Lindsay Show on there. Take a search for it and take a look for RyanLindsayShow.com online and uh, sign up for the newsletter to get information on guests past, present, and future. I'll run down here on Monday. Lisa Tahir will be my guest. Uh, We'll talk about emotional health and healing. John Russell on Wednesday the 28th for two hours. We'll uh, talk with him about his book, Writing with Ghosts, Angels, and Spirits of the Dead. And he'll also be taking some psychic greeting calls on Wednesday. And then Thursday, or I'm sorry, Friday the 30th, Norman Plotkin. We'll talk about hypnotherapy. So a lot of good guests coming up, as we've had in the past, we have in the future. A lot of good, very interesting guests. So we hope you will join us then. And let's, uh, without further ado, let's get to our guest tonight, Matthew Ferry. He is a spiritual teacher, best-selling author, advisor to the ultra-successful. He's a songwriter and music producer. For the last 26 years, Matthew has coached thousands of top performers to achieve enlightened prosperity. He's also the author of Quiet Mind, Epic Life, an Amazon self-help and spirituality bestseller in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Japan. Very glad to welcome Matthew Ferry to the show. Matthew, how are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It'll be great. I've been paging through the book here, and uh, I I have to ask, I'm especially intrigued. Tell me, me and, and our listeners, about the drunk monkey. (laughs) <laughs> the Drunk Monkey. Well, it's not just a cute name. Uh, it is definitely a, a real obstacle that so many of us face when we're trying to achieve more peace and more flow and, and more ease and grace in our life. It's one of those things that, that happened to me when I was a kid. I was, uh, I was studying meditation, and my teacher said, uh, the monkey mind. And at the time, I was like, hmm, I don't know if my, my mind's I think my mind's wasted. I think my mind is just drunk and, and crazy. And I started to call it the drunk monkey, all that negative chatter in your head. And by naming it, you give yourself some distance from it that helps you to not buy into it so much. You know, your mind is not really your friend. Okay. That's something right. that I've, uh, I've dealt with my whole life, ever since I can remember thinking that uh, oh, everybody else is understanding what the teacher is saying and I don't get it and everybody's going to be ahead of me in class and I'm going to fail. And, and how do we get out of that line of thinking? Well, those are really, really important things for us to think from a survival perspective. But Ryan, what's happened is uh, our generation is living in a time when the things that are going to likely kill us, the things that are going to, we're going to, we're going to, causes of death are really going to be stress and eating. I mean, that kills almost everyone, heart attack and cancer. And so stepping back and starting to say, well, what is the, what's the purpose? Why is it that my mind is obsessed with making me wrong, judging me, comparing me to others? What is it trying to do? And it turns out that it's just a part of our survival consciousness that these these are evolutionary advantages that hundreds of years ago would have really served you well but today in school you thinking that you're you know like what's wrong with me other people are ahead of me how come i'm how come i'm not like everybody else those things actually they didn't serve you the way that they served your ancestors and today we've got to figure out how do we transcend survival consciousness and get into that quiet enlightened state where we can really experience that thriving existence. What is the quiet mind? Well, 
good question, right? What is the quiet mind? It's, it's really that present moment awareness. It means that you're free from stress and worry, free from concern, and that's a big deal uh, because according to uh, the American Institute of Stress, 73% of Americans say that they deal with psychological stress on a regular basis. But I mean, let's be honest, right now it's probably 95, 98% based on the state of the world <laughs> that we're in. It's pretty crazy out there. But, you know, this is really bad news because when, when you're stressed, you make bad decisions. You don't see things clearly. You're not easy to be around. Your creativity is diminished. Your energy is zapped. And if we're going to live lives that are enjoyable and fun and free and, and worth, let's say, worth living, then being the best version of yourself is the key. And, and a quiet mind really activates or, or creates a platform for you to live that best life. Is it a, is it a, a, a place where you get a quiet mind, or is it more of a, a state of, of reality? Great question. I would say it's like this. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, how, you know, is your mind quiet all the time? And the answer is absolutely not. I live in the world just like you. But I would say that oh, with practice, it's become 95% of the time my mind is quiet. But it's not, a, it's not a place that you get to. It's actually a perspective, a contextual framework that has you rise out of the illusion that you are at risk. Because whenever your mind is talking, it is a, it's an indication that in some way, even if it's very subtle, you are experiencing a threat a threat about the future, a threat of not getting that pleasure, a threat, a threat of being embarrassed, a threat of not getting what you want. There's these tiny little threats that come up. And what they do is they take us out of the present moment and they put us into a very narrowly focused survival state. So ultimately, the quiet mind state is a contextual framework that you practice. And when you do, your mind gets progressively quieter. How did you get started with uh, the, your quest to have a quiet mind? Well, I started on my path when I was about nine years old. And uh, I, I imagine just, you know, based on the, the listeners that you guys have, that you can relate to this idea that when I was a kid, I was having these really interesting experiences. I felt like I was floating above my body. And I felt this <laughs> profound peace. And I didn't know what it was. You know, I was nine. I, I, how do you explain that to anybody when you're not? You can barely explain it when you're 53, let alone nine. And, you know, the experience was so powerful and so, so galvanizing that as an adult, I, I've just been driven to find a predictable path to get back to that feeling again. A feeling that I can only describe as knowing that all is well. And, you know, I've, I, I've personally coached now thousands of people from Wall Street to Main Street. And I've discovered that I'm not alone. I mean, Ryan, most people just want to feel like all is well. And it's just a, a powerful experience to have a deep trust, to know that everything is okay. When you're in that state, it's just, <sighs> you, you, can, you can breathe again. You can, you can take in the beauty that is all around you. It's just incredible. That confidence is what we need. It's, it's really helpful. And, 
And it's okay to be doubtful and fearful and insecure. Those things don't go away. Those are innately human. But the, you, as your mind goes quiet, you can get some distance. You can begin to relate to them in a different way. You can look at the civil unrest in the world right now, and, and rather than being fearful and, and upset and concerned, you can step back and say, wow, we're standing up for everybody being treated fairly. We're standing up for everyone getting a fair shake. This, this is revolutionary stuff. Now, of course, we've been thinking about it forever, but, you know, think about your ancestors. You know, imagine here comes the warlord into, the, into your village and, and you stand up, you know, so here's Ryan. Hey, be kind, have compassion. We're all treated fairly. It's just like, pump. there's a spear in your chest in the past. But today, not so much. Today, you can actually stick up for kindness and compassion with courage and do it in a way where you're not experiencing the, the threats of the past. It's, it's a really positive time, even though it is, of course, at the exact same time, a very negative time. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Tamara, why don't you jump in here? Well, I, I, he's making such incredible points here of, like, nothing changes if nothing changes. And we're in the midst of things are not going to be the same. And that's a beautiful thing. And if we can look at it with such knowing that it's just for now, but this now is very important for the future of what we have been calling for, you know, uh, more equality, you know, people more loving and compassionate towards each other, chaos into order. And, uh, yeah, I think we've all had to learn very quickly what meditation and mindfulness and and projecting, you know, it's all what we want to perceive, right? We don't have, you know, cyber-toothed tigers after us anymore, but yet, you know, so many of the threats that we believe are fight or flight are really just not real, you know. Being in the moment, we do have more say in how we, you know, can calm our mind and be in the present moment. And Tamara, what about this idea that breakdown and breakthrough are really just the same thing. They're just at a different place in the timeline. That if we look back at all the times in which breakdowns have happened in the world or in our own lives, we see that that breakdown is just the predecessor to breakthrough. Right. That, the, that destruction and creation are really the same thing. And that we have Absolutely. learned to resist destruction. And we've learned to resist the breakdown. Yet, in the past, if we just look at our lives, destruction, breakdown, failure, that was all just learning. That was us just trying to understand. And maybe this time that we're in right now is something similar. Right. Well, even the, our economic system, you know, talking about working with people on, on Wall Street and knowing so many people in banking and, and all of that, you know, we think of 100 years ago, you know, it wasn't a very good time as well. Um, what what kind of recommendation do you have with people seeing what they believe the fall of our economy or the fall of, you know, it, it generally has a rebound effect to it, does it oh, not? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, there's consequence, right? There's, uh, there's consequence right. to everything. The question becomes, are you in a resourceful, creative, open, curious state 
or are you in a fearful, retracted, resistant state? And really, the, the, what distinguishes that is whether you have seen the situation from the enlightened perspective that all is well, or you have tuned into your hereditary survival perspective that something is wrong. And in it, either one cannot be proven. It cannot be proven that all is well. It cannot be proven that, that the system is broken or that, that life is bad. But those dogmatic contextual frameworks rule our lives. And unless we have the, the skill set to stand back and examine what we believe and why we believe it, we will be pulled by unconscious reflexes, the unconscious reflexes of, of what I call the drunk monkey in our mind. We will operate in fear when curiosity was really the name of the game. We'll, re, we'll react and be resistant when acceptance and appreciation would have actually given us a much more effective result. And even though the situation was exactly the same, that you take on will determine the behavior, which then, of course, modifies and creates results. Right. Yeah. I, I you're talking, you're talking. A, oh, sorry, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Please. Oh, um, just talking about what we have such a tremendous opportunity to do many things very differently you know, and, and better, you know, just for me being a spiritual advisor and, and a hypnotherapist, I started 20 years ago doing it on the phone and online and, you know, and then you start the one-on-ones and I'm, it's strange where it's like, you know, this was kind of the way I love doing it 20 years ago. And now there's so much more of a market out there to be able to do it right from your home. Are you finding that to be true where it's kind of, for people that have worked from home or, or the phone or whatever, this is kind of our jam, <laughs> you know, so it's not that uncomfortable, it, it, but we are creatures of habit to, to create new and inventive ways to be able to assist people in, in just a different way. Do you find that to be true? I'd be, absolutely. And I'll say it in this way. The degree to which you accept something is the degree to which you create a transformation. And the degree to which you resist something is the degree to which you make it stuck. That when you resist, it will persist. And when you accept, it will transform. You know, the mind, this drunk monkey in our head, temporary obstacles, because it uses hypotheticals as a source of argument and doubt. And it's always possible for the intellect to construct an imaginary set of concepts in such a way to refute anything. But the truth is, we're holding ourselves to standards that don't exist. We are making people wrong and making the world wrong and resisting because we've come up with hypothetical ideas about how everything is supposed to be. And our opinion ultimately becomes the source of our suffering. And that when you can see that your opinion is the source of your suffering, then you begin to investigate something that I call recontextualization, which is the skill of describing the conditions and circumstances of your life in a way that creates an empowering reality for you, which is not Pollyanna, Ryan, so it's not like sticking your head in the sand, but it's dealing with things sensibly. 
Right. Talking with uh, Matthew Ferry about his book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life, uh, Escape the Status Quo and Experience Enlightened Prosperity Now. If you'd like to join us, folks, then give a call, 319-527-6702. Um, so what you were talking about there, uh, Matthew, is is a little bit, you talk in the book about uh, how dogma holds us back. Explain that. Well, we can't answer life's fundamental questions. But it doesn't stop us from making up a story and arguing with people like we can. We create conflict based on our opinions. And then we blame the world for our negative feelings because the world somehow is conflicting with an opinion that we made up or that we bought into or we didn't even assess. You believe what you believe predominantly because of your geography. If you were born somewhere else, you would have a different religion. You would have a different belief system. You would believe different things about men and women, about family, etc., etc. Geography plays a giant role in what we believe, but we don't live like that. We live like, no, I believe what I believe because it's real, because it's true. And if we step all the way back, it's easy to see that that's actually a really amazing survival skill. Pretending like you know what reality is has been very helpful for your ancestors. But for today, in a world where we are experiencing exponentials in almost every category in this world, holding on to your beliefs and not examining them is one of the most aggravating things you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. I, I moved from the north to the south through all of all of last year to you know stayed in Nashville and down in Savannah, just in our own United States, realizing what you know the different perspectives of of belief systems, just from the north to the south. We really, you know, it, it's so important to be able to travel. Obviously, it's not the greatest time to do that, but to to open your awareness to things beyond your own tribe, so to speak, you know, or your, your small little place in the world. Don't you feel that's so important for people to be able to grow um, and expand their consciousness? A hundred percent agreed. The more you can expose yourself to things that conflict with what you believe, the more peaceful you will be as a human. And the more you expose yourself to things that confirm your beliefs, the more conflicted you will be as a human. Mm-hmm. Because it is, in the, it is in the conflict and the reconsideration and the, and the having to look at something from a totally different perspective that you begin to realize, oh, wow, what I believe isn't necessarily substantiated. I can't prove it. You can't prove it. Nobody can prove it. So then the question becomes, does believing it make my life better? And usually with reflection, the vast majority of our beliefs don't make our lives better. They made our parents' lives easier when we were being raised because our parents were doing everything they could to survive having children. So getting (laughs) you to do what they thought was really valuable. Because then it was easier for them to stay unconscious and not have to be confronted as they were going through the process. I I have four kids. 
I do it all the time. Why do we do it this way, Dad? <laughs> because this is the way we do it. This was the uh, way right? <laughs> uh, just, I just tried to stay above water. <laughs> you run a tight ship, <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before, how, how, for better or for worse, I am a Minnesota Vikings fan because my dad was a Minnesota Vikings fan, <laughs> and we're, we're in this area of Wisconsin. I can't watch another football team and be in, entertained at all, so I watch the Vikings, and, well, they don't entertain me very much in, in, anymore either, but uh, <laughs> with their record. They'll find their, but, they'll uh, find their way back, we hope. I hope. Yeah, I hope. Um, but... <laughs> Tamara's not a Vikings fan. Uh, so I think also <laughs> part of the issue with uh, only only paying attention to what you believe, I think nowadays is in politics especially, there's, there's these 24-hour news stations, one all the way to the left, another one all the way to the right. We sit there in front of the TV and watch what we watch all day long, and that's all we ever notice and all we ever see and all we ever hear. And that's that's ultimately dangerous to to ourselves, isn't it? And yet it used to be one of the most important things that you had, which was confirmation bias. That confirmation bias allowed you to understand who was in your tribe and who wasn't. It allowed you to follow the, the rules that your tribe or your village told you about so that you could stay alive. These, these used to be incredibly valuable components of our survival consciousness, and today they are the source of conflict. And today we, we stick up for our beliefs, and then we only seek out those things that confirm our beliefs because it gives us a false sense of security. But when you connect with the enlightened perspectives, you start to experience a sense of security that comes from a, a, a connection within. So in my book, I talk about the definition of enlightenment as the recognition that the source of life for you is the source of life for everyone and everything. That we're all one thing expressing itself with infinite variety. That your thoughts are essentially the result of the universe creating itself. Ten that you own them is insane. Your mind talks to you whether you want it to or not. It says things to you that you don't like. Your mind is not even your friend. Who else calls you fat and ugly and stupid? <laughs> Just your mind. Because if it was a person, you wouldn't have them in your life. But we put up with it with our mind. So as you start to get connected to this idea that we are all one thing, at, at its most base state, let's call it 35, 36 elementary particles that are self-assembling into every single thing that you see. We're all one thing, something in this background field of energy and information. We call it the quantum field. It's pervasive. It is, it is omnipresent in the universe. And every single thing that we know is springing forth from it. So we're all one thing expressing itself with infinite variety, when we get connected to that idea, it's just like, <sighs> you get this feeling that all is well. And the moment you feel like all is well, your mind goes quiet because there's no need for it to talk. And the moment your mind goes quiet, your creativity, your joy, your chutzpah, your resourcefulness, they just, they just explode within you. 
You see beauty in everything and everyone. You look at the destruction that's happening in the world and you think to yourself, ah, so amazing. It doesn't make you less compassionate. It actually makes you way more compassionate. But you don't get hooked into the drama. The drama itself is a survival modality. It's really important if you're in a survival situation. But most of the people that we talk to are not in a survival situation. Your your son not doing what you want and getting your heart racing is not a survival situation. That's just an ineffective contextualization. Or spouse, or 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 or, 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 or right. relationship. All the relationships we have, you know, we're holding people You're accountable to about... agreements they never made, you know, and and it screws and us book. up. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. Oh, well, you talk in the book about accepting the worst case scenario. Explain yeah. what that means. So important. You know, the mind laments these figments of our imagination about the bad things that could happen. And that's its job, actually. So when the drunk monkey, that's what I call it, when the drunk monkey starts ranting and raving about all these potential negative futures, one of the ways in which you get the drunk monkey to calm down and subside and and stop bothering you, stop keeping you up at night, is you actually say, all right, drunk monkey, let's go all the way. And you write out the worst possible thing that could happen. And you go all the way, Ryan. You don't, you don't stop. You don't try and divert it. You don't try and fix it. You go to the worst thing that you could possibly imagine. And then once you have that worst-case scenario in mind, the next thing to do is to come up with a plan if that happens. Not a plan to avoid it. A plan to actually deal with the worst case if it occurs. Now, once you've done that, you'll find that the drunk monkey in your head no longer needs to lament. It no longer needs to, to be bothering you back and just saying, well, what about that thing? It's coming. It's going to really hurt you. You're going to get mad. That thing, terrible stuff is going to happen. All of that's going because it's unresolved. But the moment you, you look it straight in the eye, that fear, and you go all the way to the worst case and make a plan, your mind goes quiet. It's really powerful, especially in times like this, because there's a lot of of fear-mongering that is going on out there in the world. And that fear-mongering, we shouldn't make it wrong. That fear-mongering is like, uh, it's like the global drunk monkey. The global drunk monkey is trying to keep all the other drunk monkeys safe. <laughs> That's uh, also part of your rapid enlightenment process. What's, uh, what's that process? Well, the rapid enlightenment process is a proven four-step process. I've been working on this now, uh, literally one-on-one with clients since 1993. And it's a proven way to get your mind to quiet down so you stop being so worried and stressed out, so you can focus, so you can take action on what matters while being completely at peace with your life exactly the way that it is. No change necessary for you to be at peace. So step one is what we've been talking about, which is simply awareness. Awareness that your mind is not your friend, that you don't listen to your mind like it's telling you the truth. You listen to your mind like it's a survival mechanism giving you information about survival, and you acknowledge you're not in a survival situation. Your girlfriend not calling you back is not a survival situation. (laughs) You getting fired from your job is not a survival situation, but 
the drunk monkey in your head is designed to relate to everything like it is. So that's step one. Step two is actually a little more tricky because the drunk monkey is being motivated. It's being triggered. So when, when I examine the drunk monkey, it has unconscious reflexes. They just happen automatically, and they get triggered by something that I call the 10 hidden motives to survive. And if you can't recognize the motivation, then no amount of meditation or mindfulness will get the mind to go quiet for very long. The mind will always spring back up. You have to actually neutralize the illogical conclusion that you are in some way being threatened. Step three of four is to actually connect with enlightened perspectives. Now, enlightened perspectives are just perspectives that assume that all is well. And if you, if you listen to our language, Ryan, most of our perspectives assume that something is wrong and that something needs to be changed. And what that does is that activates a survival state and then gets your mind talking and gives you anxiety and, and uh, anger and frustration and all of those things. So enlightened perspectives assume that all is well. And then finally, step four is actually the thing that I mentioned earlier. It's called recontextualization. And that's just a skill. It's a skill of taking the things in your life that are, are giving you a little bit of fret and giving you a little bit of, of upset and reworking the context so that you put that, that thing that is making you fretful into the context that all is well, into an enlightened framework. And when you do that, you find that your stress, your anxiety, your negativity goes away, your mind calms down, and suddenly you're connected with this beauty, this peace, this, this joy, this certainty that just cannot be described. Those are the four steps. Yeah, yeah, very, very well said. Um, I spent 15 years as a police officer. And this is a conversation I wish I would have had during those 15 years. <laughs> Definitely. Um, explain how many times I would go to a call for service and I'm dealing with, I was, I'm in a small Wisconsin city and I'm dealing with the same people again and again. And they're always playing that victim card, always a victim. And explain how dangerous it is to, uh, when we allow ourselves to be the victim all the time. That's such a great question, and I, and I want to just acknowledge that um, being a police officer is actually dangerous. That, that, that is a, <laughs> that's a place in which you are so thankful to have a drunk monkey, and you are so thankful to have all those survival responses. So we don't want to get mm -hmm. that stuff confused because a lot of times there are things that we do that, that are dangerous, but you know, for most of us, we're probably not going to be – in actual danger more than a couple times in our entire lives, and yet we'll spend 99% of our time in a survival state when, in fact, we were thriving. But it really comes down to, um, let's call it predilection or uh, predisposition. Each of us was born with a, like a cocktail of incredibly effective evolutionary um, ideas about how to survive and being a victim. Ooh, mwah, that is a, that is such a good one. Think about it like this: when you have when you have a an alpha in the group, and that alpha is uh, is uh, maybe angry or mean or a bully. 
Playing the victim is a way of you utilizing weakness against that bully, against mm-hmm. that, that stronger individual, because your victimhood naturally activates the other human beings around you to come to your aid. The only problem is we, we learn to use victim early on in a lifetime where there's no need. There's, you're not actually a victim of anything. You're not a victim because your mom didn't give you a cookie. And yet that victim language, that, that victim perspective and manipulation, it's just, it's just built in. It just comes right out. It's automatic. And ultimately what it does is it suppresses your power and your creativity and your chutzpah, and your joy. The danger is really the, uh, a life lived in negativity and anxiety and anger and frustration when you had available to you the entire time the keys to a life lived joy and peace and flow and happiness. Well, being the middle child of five children and two big brothers, you know, we don't realize how some of our family members can be some of our best teachers of not how to be <laughs> of not being a victim. Yes, I just think, of course. You know, as a as a little as a little sister, it's just like you know, you, you know, we have to thank some of our family members sometimes. Where it's like, you're not going to be an evic- You're not going to be a victim of five kids. Nobody's gonna feel sorry for you. It's fed for yourself, you know. <laughs> but look up for each other, you know. So I just I, I think that that's great. You know, everybody has a different dynamic that they were kind of born into, and many different teachers. Victimization is so. Um, you know, me being the only woman on this call here. Um, you know, even with just the masculine and the feminine of you know, we're all humans, right? We're all we all came here. And uh, plopped here with, you know, tools and, and you know, all these old programs from our ancestors or the programming that's put into our heads from society or television or, you know, television. So I think we're just in this real awakening state right now to be able to, we better listen to our own intuition and pull back from other people's programs. Don't you find that to be true right now more than ever? I do find it to be true, and and one of the things that that fascinated me when my children were born was how they were already a whole and complete being unto themselves without any of my programming, without any of society's programs. They had predilections, they had preferences, they were predisposed to certain ways of behaving. They came in hardwired a certain way. And no matter how much I tried to influence each of those four wonderful young men, they took everything that I said and they put it through their own contextual filters and washing machine that they were born with. <laughs> and, and each of us is that unique, interesting variety expressing itself. Human being and consciousness is evolving. And we're at a point of extreme uh, awareness of that evolution. We saw in the 60s, right, the quote, the dawning of Aquarius. It is, it is very possible that we are in the Aquarius now and that as this emergence of, of a desire for kindness, compassion, equality, uh, um, 
loving each other, supporting each other, as that energy, that idea, that consciousness comes into a, a stronger place in our society, well, just like all things that evolve, that new anomaly gets opposed by the status quo. And it is the battle between those two things that then ultimately evolves our species. And right now, it may look dark. It may look like we are, are, are actually victims. But if you step way back, you start to see that there is a giant majority of people who really want us to get along and feel good and be happy and just take advantage of what an amazing place we are in our society. It's all coming together. We're all being forced to get along, which is really, and I've noticed it, and I'm sure you guys have as well, just, you know, it's what you, you look for. And being that change is truly showing up in your, your best self, knowing everything is okay. It does ripple out when you go out, you know, into the world, even if it's to the gas station or the grocery store, or, you know, it's how we show up. Um, that it, it does that does get contagious, just like negativity. Positivity can transmute a whole room very quickly. I believe, don't you? hundred percent. And and I think really it starts with practicing total and complete acceptance of all situations, all people, at all times, including yourself. Because when you are being that, when you are being accepting and appreciative of the infinite variety of expressions that are out there in the world, well, then there's nothing to fight against. There's nobody who is, nobody is confronted by you accepting them. Nobody is challenged (laughs) by you appreciating and honoring their perspective on life. It creates no conflict. There's only good comes from that. And that really is the cornerstone of the enlightened state. It is to be at peace in the chaos of life. Right. Oh, you have a very hypnotic voice. <laughs> I'm just no, oh, thank you. Such a nice way to bring in <laughs> and bring in the weekend. Woohoo! So, how are you doing, Ryan? How are you doing there over there, oh, Ryan? Excellent, excellent. excellent. Um, talking with Matthew Ferry about the book "Quiet Mind: Epic Life: Escape the Status Quo and Experience Enlightened Prosperity." Now, um, Matthew, where can folks get the book? Go over to Amazon and order the book. That's probably the best way to do it. Um, then they can also, if they, if they don't want to get the book, they can go to my website and download my free mobile app. So if they just go to matthewferry.com forward slash app, I can direct them to my mobile app. And I, I have tons of resources to help them to get their mind to go quiet in my app. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you know, something else in the last in the last six weeks we've been doing this show is eventually everybody gets to how important gratitude is Mm. and that we, we need to show gratitude, feel gratitude, explain how important that is. Well, I think that gratitude is a natural expression of realizing that everything that you resist, you resist because of a, an unexamined contextual framework. And when you're, when you admit that my life doesn't suck, but actually my perspective about life sucks. Like when you admit that, it's incredibly (laughs) freeing and liberating. You're like, oh, wow, I suck. Huh. I thought the world sucked. That's, well, that's crazy. And the moment that thought 
occurs to you, it opens up this whole new set of awarenesses. So it's kind of, it's kind of like this, Ryan. Awareness makes you flexible. Flexibility reveals a whole new set of options, and options give you power. And what gratitude does is open you up. It, it, it puts your awareness on all of these things that make you feel like, wow, I got a lot of resources. I have a lot of opportunity. I have a lot, to, I have a lot that is, is positively impacting me. And I remember distinctly, maybe about 15 years ago, being at Thanksgiving and having all of my relatives kind of look at me like, you know, when a dog looks at you and they kind of tilt their head to the side like, huh, what? <laughs> and it's because I was given the honor of giving the toast at Thanksgiving and I was giving a toast. I'm, I want to give thanks. I want to give thanks to all the times that we were embarrassed I want to give thanks to all the people that hurt us. I want to give thanks to all the people that have done bad things in our lives. All the breakdowns, the disasters, and the negativity. I want to give thanks to all of those things that have been a part of making us so aware of how good we have it. Because those things are maybe 5 or 6% of our experience. And the rest of the time, it is really good. But sometimes you need to get punched in the face to really understand how good you have it. So let's give thanks to all the negativity. Cheers. My family was like, uh, cheers? (laughs) I've always been in my family what I call spiritual hooligan. So I, I've always been the one who yeah. looked at what is the what's the way what is the sort of traditional way, and then how do I break all those rules to optimize and, and go to another level of peace and joy? Because what I found is most of the spiritual traditions that that I examined, practiced, like investigated, they all contained limitation that didn't allow one to be completely and totally at ease with everything that occurs in the world. They always excluded things. And I always thought that that didn't really work for me. I wanted to include everything, which of course is quite hooligan-ish because most people don't like that. They, they think you're a troublemaker if you include everything. Right. Sure. Yeah, another thing you talk about in the book is the opinion diet. What yes. is that about? I actually wrote a great blog post about that, and if you go to MattyFair.com uh, or you just type in Matthew Opinion Diet, you can check out my full blog post on that. And the opinion diet is really just honoring that the source of our suffering is our opinion. And we're in a time right now where opinions are thought of as real. Now, I think that that's probably always been the case, but right now it's, boy, is it in our face. People have got opinions on everything, and this is actually something that the drunk monkey does. The drunk monkey, as a matter of survival, creates an opinion on everything, including things it knows nothing about. And in fact, if you challenge it on things that it knows nothing about, it will dig in and become even more resistant and arrogant and preposterous. The mind, as a way of defending its own reality creates arbitrary positions on all kinds of things that aren't true or false. 
But whenever you take a position, you are going to experience some form of suffering. Anger, upset, hatred, rage, negativity. Some kind of negative experience will occur just by taking a, a, a position. I think as a, as a serious spiritual student, you've got to resign yourself from the self-appointed duties of judging people, correcting, controlling, directing, changing the world, and expressing opinions on everything. <laughs> that really, when you take on your enlightened journey, you're off the hook. You're no longer obligated to continue the chore of being the judge, the jury, and the executioner on everything. You can step back, let everybody else have their opinions, and be at peace. And that doesn't mean that you get pushed around. And it doesn't mean that you are that your uh, boundaries get broken. It actually means that you aren't breaking your own boundaries by making yourself miserable, by standing up for things that aren't provable, they're dogmatic, and they don't mean anything. And because you have invested your emotional energy in them, they make you miserable. And then the crazy thing is you defend them, even though they still make you miserable. And defending them makes you miserable. So my recommendation is go on a 30-day opinion diet. What if every day for the next 30 days you just monitored yourself and you just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have no opinion about this. I'm not going to give my opinion. I'm not going to let the drunk monkey create an opinion in my head. I'm just going to accept things exactly as they are. If you do that, it will be one of the most peaceful, joyous, and lovely 30 days of your entire life. You will discover that all of the misery of life is created by your opinions. How do you do that? Ryan's like, how do we, how do we even do that? <laughs> Especially Ryan coming out of the police force, right? I mean, you that that is oh, a yeah. that's an organization where you are like you're tasked with this is right and that is wrong, and exactly. and the truth is those things, Ryan, are agreements, and agreements are real. And a, a criminal will say, well, I didn't agree to that. And the answer is too bad, because if you live here in America, you agree to it. It's implied. It's built in. Right. So uh, there, there are agreements for sure. But opinions are these arbitrary positions that we take on to look good, to be right, to make others wrong, to dominate people, to have pride. And all of those things are just survival processes. I have pride because I want people to think that I'm important. And if they think that I'm important, then they'll keep me in the group. I'll get benefit. I have an opinion that turns me into a victim because as the victim, I get extra benefits. People will take care of me. If I have rage and anger, I can rally the troops. There's benefit in my rage and my anger. All of these states are just hereditary survival traits. And as you practice the rapid enlightenment process, you transcend your survival consciousness and you ascend into that glorious, peaceful state traditionally known as enlightenment. 
The book is Quiet Mind, Epic Life, folks. Uh, escape the status quo and experience enlightened prosperity. Now, you got a wonderful website, uh, Matthew. It's MatthewFerry.com. Oh, you. And, uh, yeah, it's excellent. Um, a lot of free stuff there. Uh, run, run down what, uh, what we can get for free on your website. Oh, my gosh, so many things. Well, one of the things I have a commitment to doing is making sure that I spread this message to anybody who wants it without, um, without exclusion. So I, I have a free mobile app. On my free mobile app, you get the first six chapters of my book. You get the 23 daily practices. You get a whole video series on, on fear and how to overcome it. I'm on and on and on. I've done a podcast with 250-some episodes, and that's essentially me going through everything that I can think of in regards to the rapid enlightenment process. I have a YouTube channel with hundreds and hundreds of videos on it, same kind of thing. I have a, a real, and every month I do a, a free webinar. In fact, I did one today, and and I basically get a panel together of people who are in my mastermind group who are applying the techniques, and we we just talk about it. We talk about okay, how do you apply recontextualization in this in this situation? So my my objective is to uh, to proliferate this idea. In fact, we just created the Center for Rapid Enlightenment, and we're going to be uh, rolling out some of the science uh, on enlightenment and, and, and do some studies to really understand what is the impact on well-being and physiology and the brain. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. So you'll find it all on uh, on MatthewFerry.com. Once again, Quiet Mind, Epic Life, folks. Uh, be sure you pick up that book. And, uh, on the website, you get the first six uh, chapters for free. Uh, Matthew, this has been so much fun. Thank you very much. Well, I am so yeah, happy that you fun. guys invited thank me to, to be here. Thank you for that, and thank you, Tamara, for jumping in uh, from, you know, uh, on yeah. location. Yeah, I can go back into a scary cornfield. We have different lives tonight. <laughs> but uh, I am so glad um, I was able to join you guys because this is, oh, I feel very in alignment, very at peace. Woohoo! So, thank you so much, Mike, uh, Matthew, for we're putting your work out here for people because this is just so, so very important. And we can't thank you enough for being on because we do realize it's Friday night and uh, you could have done many things, especially if you have four boys. So much blessing to you and your family and uh, in alignment. This has been great. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, Matthew. All right, folks, that is the show for today. And be sure you take a look at Ryan Lindsay Show on Facebook. Take a look at RyanLindsayShow.com for information on guests past, present, and future. Lisa Tahir coming up on Monday. We'll talk about emotional health and healing. John Ruffle on Wednesday the 28th. We'll do psychic readings and talk about his book, Riding with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead. And then Friday the 30th, Norman Plotkin will talk about hypnotherapy. I'm Ryan Lindsay. Thanks for listening. We'll talk then. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information about The Ryan Lindsay Show.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.